Thank you for joining us today on Elemental Collision. My name is Dave Graham. Today we're going to be talking about pigs, providence, and potential. This is a discussion about Neuralink and the wonderful topic of ontology. And I have a special guest with me, Ed Henry. So let's join the discussion. So you wanted to talk about three little pigs, something about ontologies, something about Neuralink, something about the, the, the terrifying reality that we're trying to reduce. Oh, let's, let's, let's start with the obvious one. That was the weirdest recruitment session I have ever, ever witnessed. I mean, it was pretty cool on one hand, but I mean, I like Elon. I think he's, you know, Tony Starkish, but he just sucks at public speaking. Like it is not a gift of his, which, Hey, if I had his money, I could do whatever too. But like, I thought I really thought, you know, like when they sat down and they kind of went through each of the, what people do there, which was, which was probably the more exciting part. I mean, there was a little bit of tech. There was a little bit of philosophy, which we'll get to in a moment. Uh, a little bit of animal husbandry, you know, like, you know, this yeah. is how we can, how we care sense for, of the word. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's how we care for the pigs. You know, I love the, especially love that. We don't let the pigs do what, Unless they, you know, we, they, they don't do anything they don't want to do. So it's, they've kind of set up pig Montessori. You know what I mean? Like it's. <laughs> Anybody has any pigs that they want to allow to explore their own? I'm pretty sure there's a, a, a pig volition training course somewhere yeah. that's out there. You know, yeah. absolutely. They're like us though. I mean, that was specifically mentioned. They I mean, empirically, like you cannot prove that pigs don't have their philosophical constraints that they've defined for their own reality. So. Yeah, but remember, H. Douglas Adams always said that it was the dolphins that really. Uh... <laughs> okay, well, for those that get that, maybe I'm. I like preferencing... dolphins because I don't know if it's true or not, but I've always seen this floating around the web that dolphins mess with pufferfish because they get high. Oh, yeah, there's like, like some coral. There's video yeah. of this. They yeah, get, like, yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. So I feel like I identify with dolphins in that way. <laughs> well, who needs pot when you got an implant in your head? I mean, that's the uh, that's the other side. Um, oh boy yeah <laughs> so you you actually sent me this text and i'll i'm going to remind us remind you of this actually oh, I'm no. find okay. it you know i won't i won't quote you completely out of context but i'm gonna quote you completely is, out it, of the context. is it the ne- is it the neckbeard one <laughs> life <laughs> liberty and the one. pursuit of what some neckbeard deems you worthy of <laughs> That is a direct quote. <laughs> we're 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 not we're 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 not going to go down the neckbeard path at this point because you know us being bearded white dudes is probably getting close to the, the, the general. I shaved the, I shaved the neckbeard a few days ago, so I'm like I'm not qualified anymore. Yeah, I got a little bit of the neck off here. I'm hearing. Uh, here we go. I'm hearing, quote unquote, we can placate people and make them think their current status is okay. Mm. which is, uh, you know, something about the sum of our collective will, right? So I thought this was interesting. So this goes to the whole point of ontology, right? The nature of being, you know, we could go into the (laughs) anthropological (laughs) wellness and what society deems acceptable is not necessarily what a person do. You know, we've we've been down this ethical rat hole before, or volitional rat hole. I mean, it's a rat hole, just whatever. So (laughs) where did this come from, Ed? What, what are we are we truly looking at you know at the end of times here when it comes to having something implanted in my brain who um quote your favorite philosophers too while you're at it because i'm not so smart as you. <laughs> i'm not going to quote anybody to start i'm going to try to motivate this with the fact that we have our own forget about external inconsistencies 
in our moral background, if you will. But internal, we have our own inconsistencies, sometimes on a minute by minute basis. And it's completely contextual. I know we were texting earlier today about this whole idea of context. But the reality is, like, it concerns me the ways in which this technology can shape who we are as internal individuals by accident, right? In ways that we aren't necessarily aware of by exposing these kind of own internal inconsistencies that we have. Because what do you do with what Neuralink is, right? So it's measuring some sort of firing rate inside of your head and it's trying to decompose this weird continuous representation of neurological firing patterns inside of your head into some digital representation that might might capture some saliency with respect to what's going on for some value of going on. It depends on how you want to measure that. depends on what you're trying to measure, right? So when you start trying to understand what's going on with something like Neuralink, you head up back down the rat hole of like this internal consistency argument that like Descartes started, right? With this idea of duality versus, you know, what kind of Leibniz embraced, which is like this materialist approach to what is it that makes us tick? Like, what is it that gives rise to this representation of consciousness, right? And this is kind of what everybody is after. We're, we're not going to get into the, like, the easier, the hard, for some value, easy problem of consciousness. But that's ultimately what we're after with something like Neuralink. I mean, if you listen to the conversations that were going on with the individuals that were talking about what we might be able to do with the technology in the future, I don't have an exact number, but a uh, certainly a large enough count of people were referencing this idea of understanding consciousness that it, it made me curious but i don't think we're going to be able to get down using something like narrowly i don't know if we're going to be able to do that um i don't know if it's measuring <laughs> we don't even know what it is that gives rise to consciousness yet and we can't know what it is that we need to measure in order to determine what consciousness is so and like how does this bleed into like will right well depending on how you want to view it and what lens you want to view this stuff from or what angle you want to view this from, I mean, you could decompose that question to in a lot of different angles. Like, you know, are we measuring potassium ions as they traverse synapses inside of the brain? Is that what gives rise to this representation that we call consciousness? I don't know. Is it the collective transfer <laughs> of chemical signal inside of the brain that gives rise to consciousness? I don't know. And then what does that mean when we try to measure that and then create policy around it, right? So when you start talking about like using what Neuralink can measure to do things like understand disease, cool, I'm all for it, but we need to understand that the policy that we potentially create around that can be impactful in a lot of different ways. So we need to understand if the representation that we're collecting from something like Neuralink is a good uh, proxy, I guess, for the phenomena that we're trying to measure. Now I get it, Neuralink was interesting. They have a bunch of different leads in uh, side of brain, uh, pig brains right now that allow their snouts uh, when they when they sniff something or when they 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 kind of poke something with their snout, they can get a measurement out of this device. Cool, but what does that measurement mean? We don't know. We have no idea what that measurement means. It just knows we have a ground truth and that we know that the pig snout is poking something, but we don't really have anything other than that like binary representation yet. So again, when we start talking about using these data sets to create these like representations of reality that we can use to make decisions it's just from my perspective kind of concerning like i don't want us to ignore the reality that 
we don't understand humans are really good at tricking ourselves into thinking we know more about the world and about the universe than we do. (laughs) (laughs) And I want to make sure that we, we have a collective measure in place to control for that. And really the only collective measure I think that we have in place to control for that is something like science, right? Because built into this enterprise called science is a bunch of uh, checks and balances that allow us to call bullshit on each other effectively. So when we choose to use it for sure. <laughs> when we choose. Yeah. Well, and, it, and the other challenge is too, like any measurement of reality has a correspondence to the thing that you're measuring. Right. So, and that, that correspondence ratio is a challenge in and of itself. Like how do we know that the apparatus that we're using to measure it's the observer's phenomenon, right? How do we know that that apparatus that we've created to measure that particular phenomenon uh, has captured it sufficiently? And how do we account for potential noise in the channel, things along those lines. Right. So, Again, when I when I look at these technologies, the the scientist and the technologist and the engineer inside of me, engineer inside of me is is in awe and excited about this technology. And then the human aspect of me is like, oh shit. Like <laughs> <laughs> we need to ramp up our humanities in you know immeasurable ways with respect to the people who are building this technology. To help them understand that, like, maybe we need to ask the core questions of should we even do this versus it's going to happen, right? Like, I think a lot of people assume out of the gate that there's like this technological imperative to everything, like, it's going to happen. There's some sort of, you know, destiny built into all of this. And I think maybe we should start questioning that. Maybe we should start questioning if, you know, there is this kind of destined approach to all of this. You know, I've read things like policing companies who say that it's destiny that police are going to use these technologies and, and things along those lines. And when you use such a powerful word like destiny, mm-hmm. it's concerning to me. So I'm, I'm going to stop ranting and let you discuss this as well. But <laughs> like in um, reality, when I see, when I see these lead, you know, again, we can get to the technical discussions around some of the challenges that are faced there, but I just, Again, not understanding what it is that happens inside of our head. This is truly momentous. It'll allow us to try to understand it in a different way. And, and ultimately, that's what we're trying to do as humans is just try to understand this weird you know, reality and then the rough approximations of reality that we can create. And then the other side of that, again, is the human side, which is like, oh, shit, let's hope nobody tries to oppress an entire <laughs> sect of people because of this or using this, right? Well, so, at least they didn't anyway, say they were going to try to. Well, at least they didn't say they were going to try to measure the soul, whatever that ends up being. You know, I mean, like, no, I, and I'll echo a lot of those sentiments. I think you know, there's. I'm very. Uh, well, I'll use a pejorative or very right-brained, right? This is just you know, I'm I'm not the engineer's engineer, which is I'm okay with. You know, I love I love hearing this stuff. You know, if I can picture it, you know, him holding up the little puck, I'll call it a puck, coin-sized thing with a ten. You know, 1,024 leads on it at five microns thick. I mean, I can geek out about the stats on that, right? Sure, you're measuring yeah. amplitude, right? That's really what you're looking for. You're looking at those activations. You know, I keyed in on, based on my background, I keyed in. Pigs have a low low activation threshold, so they're absolutely happy to do things. Again, pig Montessori notwithstanding. They're absolutely happy to be a part of these things because they have such basic needs that they can be fulfilled very, very quickly, right? Positive reinforcement goes a long way. You make them happy, they're more compliant. You make them more compliant, they're more willing to do what you want them to do. Uh, to your points, you know, maybe a little bit looser, if I'm able to, you know, program, let's say, for lack of a better way of putting it, you know, excess oxytocin, 
in the brain, right? If I'm able to basically create these talks. But think about it. If I have the keys to the kingdom, and if we look at the body, the human body is a rudimentary chemical soup and state, right? There are ways I can trigger the production of these things. We see this from psychiatry, right? I input medication in my body and I achieve an end. Now, getting to that formula. I just, just, real quick, see halls full of people just hammering the dopamine button, but go ahead. (laughs) Better dopamine than morphine, I suppose. You know, like, (laughs) yeah. But all these things, you know, not to make light of the situation, but like that's a lot of these things, you know, the latest fad in Silicon Valley was dopamine fasting, right? That was a thing. You know, how do I prevent? Yeah. Yeah. We, we come up with these hokey sciences. The last thing in the world you want to do is have Goop, you know, Goop adopt, you know, Neuralink as their, you know, their token toy of the week, right? You too can smell like Gwyneth Paltrow's whatever. And, you know, through, through the process of getting a puck implanted in your head. It's a real yeah. thing, by the way. Um, but so you look at all this stuff and I'm going around and around this, but the ability to create, you know, or try to enforce order out of chaos like we're organized chaos in our bodies right we have things that are firing there's a level of order to it we know that there's chemical reactions that lead to a result like you're saying that's a measurement possibility right as a scientist i can sit there and i can go all right i watched this chemical interaction i know that there's a you know an entry state there's an exit state and there's something that happens in the middle right correlation i my nose touches something i see a spike somewhere I find out where that spike is. I can more narrowly refine my search for what causes and what affects it. So all these things together, like, like you're saying, the promise of this stuff from a purely mechanical or purely chemical basis is actually very, very cool. Like Elon mentioned at one point neural shunts. You know, what if I could put a transmitter above a break, you know, spinal compression or whatever, and below it and be able to jump that gap and suddenly respond stored movement to a paraplegic or quadriplegic or tetraplegic, right? There's exciting promise and premise in that. Um, Probably shouldn't recommend using Bluetooth as a way to connect to the device, given things that are out there. But all that to be said, you know, there's, there's some very rudimentary mechanical and electrical and chemical things that we can do. I think the larger thing was some of those, those statements that were put out there, which is like, you know, this makes me wonder about the nature of being. Yeah, dude. I don't necessarily want you thinking about the nature of my being, <laughs> you know, like yeah. it's, yeah. and if we enlarge that to a nation state, you know, we can certainly choose organ, you know, countries or cultures that have chosen to look at mass organization or mass happiness indexes, you know, social credit systems. I think, you know, which country I'm talking about, <laughs> you, know, you always end up whispering it into the mic anyway. So <laughs> China. <laughs> but that's a type of, you know, while it's not on a person, there is a, a reward, a carrot and stick reward based on that, right? And so what you're doing mm-hmm. is you're taking that and you're now centering it directly onto a person's physiology and neurobiology and those components and able to enact on it. I think that poses a danger. And so, yes, the human in me freaks out a little bit. It's excited about the promise, you know, the premise. It's terrified at the abuse of it. It's terrified at the ultimate, you know, some of the ultimate capabilities that it could bring. And there's, you know, I think I, I gave a talk last year and or this year, <laughs> this year has gone so long. I don't even know what's going on anymore. Uh, earlier this year where it's just because you can doesn't mean you should. Right. Sure. You know? And so I think that fits kind of right in your model. So I agree with you completely. Like at what point does that, does it tip? 
does it tip to the point where we shouldn't have done that? You know, like, <laughs> and are, and are we going to be aware enough to catch it when it does happen? Or is it just that slippery slope that says, oh, now we're too far gone. Now we're going to spend, <laughs> we're turning into the matrix here, buddy. <laughs> you know, like the machines are taking over us. So, yeah. Yeah. It's, these are interesting things to think about. You know, again, we can appeal to history. This isn't the first time that we've created a technology that has questionable uh, considerations generally. I mean, nuclear weaponry, obviously, uh, being the most recent, at least in history. I'm sure we could trace us back a few times throughout many different human ages, if you will, to discover what type of weaponry we created that then fueled the other gun. areas of research. Gunpowder? Gun. <laughs> yeah. Um, Let's go back to fire, actually. I think, you fire. know, what, the person that looked up at these like balls of light in the sky that we created to celebrate things and was like, what if I put a piece of metal in front of that? and pointed it at somebody else. I just wonder what goes through their mind. Um, so, yeah, it's tough. You referenced something with respect to, like, humans kind of being a function of input and output, right? And we don't necessarily care about, you know, what that middle piece is, uh, or at least that's what I took away from it. You know. Oh, I care very much what that middle piece is, but it's it's a lot yeah, harder. To, it's harder to solve for something that you can't quantify, right? The yeah, nature so, of being is something. You know, again, they wouldn't have come up with the term ontology, the nature of being, the study of being, yeah, without right. having, you know, it's an ology, <laughs> right? <laughs> so when when you first said that, my my the thing that flashed into my head was like Mars levels of analysis, right? And it's this idea that you have like this this higher level computational construct, and from there you have like an algorithmic implementation of it uh, as you kind of walk down the stack. And you said like humans being a function or something about functions, uh, having an input, something happens in the middle, having an output. The problem is a lot of the things that we're talking about, a lot of the things that we're trying to determine in this discussion aren't uh, amenable to that framework yet. Uh, and when I say that, I mean, like, it depends on how you want to, and again, like I mentioned earlier in the conversation, the angle that you want to look at these things at or from some things are kind of like a functional approach to things like our perceptual systems are arguably some sort of functional approach to uh, at least observing reality, right? Photons come into our eyes, hit our optical nerve, proceed through our visual uh, complex, and all of a sudden, huzzah, we're presented with a bunch of information that allows us to reason about the world, right? notwithstanding the fact that we drop, you know, orders of magnitude of information on the floor because of compression. But I just want to make sure that like, as we, again, explore these technologies, these are tough social issues. <laughs> like there's so many like social, political, uh, theological, even like mm -hmm. viewpoints that you could apply to these different types of technology. And I think it's fantastic, again, from the technologist inside of me that we're going to be able to learn yet another piece of information about the human brain. Um, I just hope that, you know, we understand and capture during this process above and like first and foremost, the power transfer that happens with technologies like these. And what I mean by power transfer is like you'll, you'll see people in the world of like ethics and AI. So again, being somebody who works in the world of AI, generally this, this kind of resonates with me. Again, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not a specialist that can embed leads inside of your head and then measure the synaptic pulses inside of your brain. Uh, but I do study it, this kind of stuff by proxy because of what it is that I study myself. So when I try to like 
reason through these things and try to understand, you know, how is this going to impact our concept of self-determinism? So you mentioned China mm-hmm. earlier, right? You mentioned their social and political construct that they have in place that flies in the face of being an American. So I'm an American. It flies in the face of everything that I know, love, and understand because our constitution is built around this idea of self-determinism, or at least what people hope and is a rough approximation of self-determinism with the kind of asterisk that we've created a legal system that we can go and change the laws to make sure that we can account for the fact that the world is non-stationary in general, right? And I'm just wondering, like, how do we as a collective global society at this point determine what the intersection of all of these different social, political, and cultural phenomenon are and what is right, I guess, and for some value of right, and what is wrong, notwithstanding the fact that we're trying to reduce these spectrum conversations down to a digital representation. That's a whole other can of worms that is a challenge <laughs> in and of itself. But I mean, in reality, when we, when we start to discuss what it is to take these higher level kind of constituent components of what creates a society and represent those things digitally, these questions start to crop up, right? Yeah, I mean, a lot of, you know, a lot of efforts been made, you know, like you could go back to the UN or the at least the overall guidance of the UN right the idea that there could be us coming together as disparate countries disparate rules different disparate cultures right coming together and having uh, plans together right figuring out some of these major things the role of the IMF to fund everybody and make everybody seem happy right Um, you know we tend to stick our middle finger up in the air every single time anybody tries to tread in our national sovereignty which you know not here to turn this into a raging political debate, but probably sure. not our brightest moment in the history of this, you know, fledgling nation compared to some of these other ones. But that being said, you know, we are constantly reshaping the, the surface of the earth when it comes to politics and society. I mean, look at the recent withdrawal of the, of the UK from, from the EU. While it was a trade consortium, there was also other things at stake. There was that movement idea, that exchange of information that was part and parcel of what was happening there it doesn't mean it stops but the freedom to express a lot of those things now has been curtailed so you have some of these limiting factors that are enacted by governments that change and kind of alter the fabric of alter the fabric of society if i can no longer do x with a culture that i'm familiar with if i no longer have access to this resource in a free and efficient manner Will I go out of my way to go find where I could find an alternative or go out of my way to, to learn something new and do these things, right? So you kind of have this, you know, constant reshaping. We're obviously, you know, I was talking to somebody this morning about the, the idea of, act, you know, agitation, you know, the idea that sometimes progress is required to have these social catalysts, these social agitation moments, because it's a forcing function. It, cr- it moves us along. Sometimes, or most of the time, unwillingly, right? We, no one likes the idea of riots or civil unrest. However, what comes of them, you know, speaking specifically to the civil rights movement of the 60s, right? What comes of them starts the process of change. We're nowhere near where we need to be with that. But that agitation, that change, this is something that the government can do what the government's going to do. But when the people themselves decided it's a great idea or it's something that they want to embrace, you notice that change. You notice, yep. you know, and right or wrong, it's not a moral discussion really about, you know, whether people should be able to do that or not. I think, again, like you're saying, our constitution is mutable for a reason. It is designed right. to 
encompass society as it changes, not in spite of changes, right? Sure. So yeah. I think a lot of the flexibility is built into that. So when we look at something that's, you know, who decides who's the watcher of watchers, right? Or who's the who watches <laughs> the watchman? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Which is a great movie, by the way. Um, yeah. At least, yeah, I thought it was pretty good. So when you kind of look at this global landscape and we're more connected than we've ever been, you know, even, even when we're more disconnected than we've ever been, right. You know, how, you know, and I'm not even answering really your question to begin with, but you start <laughs> to realize that a lot of these things, you know, have to start to find their way through. There has to be that agitation for change. You know, what's the catalyst for this? It may very well be that our current presidency is a catalyst for change in how, America interacts with the world, right? There's been enough of that kind of negative <laughs> activation, if you will, that will foment and cause change. We're already seeing that pendulum swinging, at sure. least in the minds of, the, of those who are reacting to it. I mean, people are still digging their heels in, which is sad to see. But, you know, so you have a lot of this stuff. So when it comes to all this technology and all these wrappers and some of these decisions about the nature of being, I, I, I don't think it's something where you can go stick a, you know, what is it in France where they have the, the definition of a meter or a kilogram. You can't just go stick that finite piece of metal that weighs exactly the international metric standard for a kilogram and stick it into, you know, a vacuum sealed chamber and something they call it. You can't do that with human humanity. You can't do that with volition. You can't do that with will. You can't do that with social constructs at all. You can't define it because the Hootsies in the Tutsu, whatever that name of the culture is, I may have to edit that one out because that was stupid. <laughs> The Zulus, you can't, or the oh, was the Bantus made it into the Bantu made it into the news this week because somebody culturally appropriated, you know, or you know, Native Americans or First Nations or you know, white folks, black folks, Asians, you know, whatever it is, you can't you, you can't just distill them down to a base something, you know, a base unit of measure outside of. So real quick, answer. I'm gonna jump in because. That's exactly what Neuralink is trying to do. How? How are they doing it? <laughs> Tell me how, Ed. <laughs> so they're assuming a correspondence between activations inside of the brain representing everything that you just discussed. What it is that makes us who we are. Now, I'm not necessarily disagreeing, again, with another vector at which we can measure the human brain. I'm not disagreeing with the idea, and it's not new, right? Like, the other thing about Neuralink is this isn't new tech. It's just repackaged, right? We've been able to put leads inside of brains for a long time in the world of neuroscience and measure interesting things. Um, again, you know, he, I'm not discrediting the engineers or the work that they've yeah. done or the advances that they've made. It's, it's certainly a, a great incremental advance for the technology. But that's what a lot of the conversation of people who were excited about this technology captured was this idea, again, of individuality and how can we find this invariant representation of what individuality is when that kind of flies in the face of the pure definition of the word or the phrase. Mm -hmm. And that's what I want to make sure that we pay attention to when we, we head down the path of, you know, study again, studying disease. Cool. Um, trying to understand what it is 
I, I, you can see I'm having my own internal struggle on this. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so like, like I said, I, again, the, the idea of the technology is great. Um, th- at least the potential applications in the world of like disease or figuring out ways in which we can stop the quick breakdown of this weird squishy thing we call a body. The other side of that is to make sure that, you know, we pay attention to the power transfers that happen, i.e., you know, the people who create this type of technology then have, uh, whether it be economic or in this case, deterministic, uh, control over the individuals that may have the implant. Right. And again, just, just, the number one like ability that we have as as humans, I think, I don't know of an animal yet uh, that we've been able to create a representation of them asking why. The number one like capability we have as humans, I think, my own opinion, is our ability to ask why. And our, I just want to make sure that we make sure that we, you know, kind of empower people to do that. Uh, continue to ask why. Like why Neuralink? You know, why are you interested in understanding certain core, like, uh, concepts of consciousness? Why are you like, okay, so I can think of one, like, so I use the word concept. Um, there's this idea that there's this separation in the world of, you know, the mind that there is concept and there's percept, right? So a lot of the stuff in the world of machine learning is strictly in the realm of percept, right? So we've created machines that are able to or we've created approaches that are implemented on top of machines that are able to percept the world around us. We haven't necessarily headed down the path. We are starting to in the world of machine learning, but we haven't necessarily captured a salient representation of what a concept would be. And what a concept would be with something like Neuralink, I want to make sure that we don't like capture, or try to capture the concept of choice, mm. right? Like, so if you were to lead, figure out some sort of pattern of activation activations inside of the human brain that averages across, you know, a set of individual humans. And we determine that to be the activation of choice. Hey, Ed decided to make a choice right here on this measurement system. Let's go figure out what that choice is. I don't think that's necessarily, you know, something we should dabble with yet until we progress our understanding of psychology till we progress our understanding of sociology and anthropology. Mm-hmm. And the reason for that is because uh, again, we're kind of walking around blindly in the dark, if you will, with respect to what is it that we're trying to measure in inside of the brain, because we don't have a clean way to map these weird intuitive like representations of what we've defined to be human to discrete values that we can measure inside of the brain. Right. And yeah, I don't know where I was going with that, but just thinking out loud, <laughs> um, <laughs> this fly, like I said, ultimately this flies in the face of self-determinism, I think, my opinion, uh, and, and making sure that we understand what that means in the larger, and this is, again, why I want the humanities to progress is because maybe I'm wrong and maybe psychologists have working theories that tell me I'm wrong, um, but, you know, I haven't found them yet, so. Well, <clears throat> I think the beauty of a lot of this stuff is, yeah, you can, can you can pull us out into our representative parts i think elon made the joke that we're you know how a, a single atom of hydrogen suddenly became sentient after billions of years you know and then ended up as a tesla oh yeah that's that's cute thanks buddy i appreciate that <laughs> but to be able to say and you know to still us down to that base level element that base level hydrocarbon if you will that that makes us uh that makes up our physical nature you know, also does a disservice, I think, to the unknown, the unknown of what is being, <laughs> you know, the, the ostensible why, 
And like you're saying that, that, that rationalization, that reasoning, you know, it's not a raccoon washing a, uh, you know, the sugar fluff in the water and you're going, what the fuck just happened? You know, like yeah. that's not a why that's a cause and effect. That's easily explained by something was there. Then it wasn't right. The idea of permanence, right. When a kid sees themselves in a the mirror and recognizes that it's them for the first time, you know, that's an idea of permanence, right. That uh, that's something that, we have a higher order of, you know, some animals do as well, you know, not, not to limit it. So we see little glimpses of this, in my opinion. We see little glimpses of the whys and maybe some of the nature of being, you know, through animals, right? Chimpanzees are very, very intellectually oriented, right? We see a lot of these type of things and we studied it. And to your point about humanities, there's so much more that has yet to be discovered about us, you know, it's... Yeah. Psychology can, psychology, sociology, anthropology can always be used as a whipping post, right? For people that <laughs> you're not of, we, you know, you and I had this discussion about the IQ test, right? And how wrong the nature of IQ tests. It's, it's, it's one thing to quantify, but it's another thing to use it as a tool of limitation or social, you know, social, social restriction, right? You're not smart enough. Well, who the fuck said that? I may have more, you know, it's always that that's the duality of intelligence versus wisdom, you know, like, you know, all these things. And so we kind of get into this place. And so the humanities usually get a bad rap because they're soft. They operate in the margins of where you have to evaluate. You're right. You're going to set up using the scientific method. You're going to state your problem, form a hypothesis, test, 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 and try to get there, right? So there is rigor. There is academic and scientific rigor to it. But you're dealing with something that's inevitably changeable, mutable completely, because no one human is like the other, right? Mm. You know, whereas science, we deal with the fixed realities of there's a periodic table. I'm not right within, within this construct. We've identified or we've created the laws, you know, laws, that have yet to be violated. And so we operate with kind of the fixed things. So the hard sciences, if you will, physics and, and whatever, usually get, you know, the more acumen, you know, more acumen, more, more credit for a lot of these things. But I think to your point, there's balance in both. There's the cool factor of, Hey, I can do this. I measured that sodium ion channel and potassium ion channel. Sorry. I noticed that activation. I noticed that neuron triggering and there's the synaptic reflex and here we go. Right. I saw that pig snout touches the <laughs> touches the food and there's a triggering sound god and by the end of the night that sound was so annoying by the way <laughs> gertrude i appreciate you so much you're you're a good pig but seriously lay off the food um but there's also you know yeah, see and then there's the add part maybe you can cure add and maybe get me back on track a lot for quicker but you know, there's, there's that side, but there's also the side of you know, the, the choice. They'll use the pig's volition if they don't want to participate. We very, very, we, we, we know very, very basic reinforcement rules, but we don't know why outside of innate need. We don't know why some of these things happen. So if you move that to a more complex, more reasoning that we know of, you know, person or thing or object, which would be us, yeah, dude, that's that, that's that dark art that's out there. That's something yet to be <laughs> discovered. So I love the fact that they ask the questions. I think it's, it, it's a blessing and it's a curse, right? It's mm -hmm. somebody's identifying it, that it, there is this ideology. There is this capability. There is truly the ontology side of what's going on that could, could, could be answered by what goes on here or could start to be answered. I think, you know, no one's going to commit to it fully hand. But there's the other side that says, in the interim, 
I can do something. I believe I can do something that's maybe worthwhile to the here and now, to the physiology, to the neurology that will help people in, in a way that they perhaps wouldn't be able to do before. Agreed. Agreed. And again, you know, I'm not against, you know, certain uses of the technology. I, I, my, my ultimate goal here is like, I sent you that tongue in cheek comment about life, liberty, and the pursuit of a neckbeard deciding what they want you to do. My, my reality is like, I was trying to play a game of like, just pay attention to the power transfer that happens, right? Because when you look at that line in our constitutions, life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, the pursuit of happiness being uh, our ability to try to have this notion of self-determinism. And this notion of self-determinism is interesting when you start looking at measurements of the one thing that kind of by trial and error we have determined is what creates this consciousness that we have. What I think will be funny is if, you know, we discover over the course of studies like this, that the brain isn't the only thing that gives rise to all of our collective conscious. I don't know that to not be true or to be true. Um, I just think it would be funny. Uh, kind of the universe laughing at us you know at one point in time we thought that you know the ventricles inside of our brain are what housed our intelligence you know these fluid sacs inside of our head we're like oh yeah that right there that's what holds our soul um so but really like ultimately i just want to make sure that we continue to ask that question like why are we doing this and to what end and again i'm not against it clearly i work in technology and clearly i'm trying to recreate some aspects of what we deem to be intelligent with respect to humans or animals or whatever can happen operate in the perceptual realm i again just want to make sure that you know we we don't get overexcited <laughs> and overinvest in something that accidentally you know create this i don't want to accidentally head down the path of our great filter for anybody who knows what that analogy is <laughs> i think that that filter has been used uh, great filter <laughs> has been used by, by Elon several times. You know, you gotta yeah. pass the great filter. Right, are we there? Are we headed like headlong for it? Are we past it already? Uh, I don't know. And I just wanna make sure that again, you know, how do we get around this, right? Education, that's, that's, yeah. that's the way we get around it. And then the last thing is like, so you, you mentioned something interesting, like, Again, in the vein of being able to understand, you know, accelerating information transfer between humans, are there some sort of invariant representations of firing patterns that relate to a book? I don't know. Like, so if Ed looks at a book and has a neural link inside of his head and he's looking at a book and then we average the effects of a thousand humans or a million humans who have these implants inside of their head and we say, hey, look, there's some sort of, you know, representation of firing patterns. That means book that's, you know, an expectation across humans the same. Uh, maybe we can transfer that piece of information quicker between people without us having to create a collective uh, vocal utterance. Uh, cool. But like, I just want to make sure that you know, again, we'd be careful with, you know, these invariant representations of reality that we're trying to go after. So. I don't blame you, man. So <laughs> this was a huge discussion about the three little pigs. <laughs> ontology. We got into the three little pigs. Man. Yeah, we talked about Gertrude. So well, the one little pig ontology yeah, yeah. and the ostensible question of why. Yep. There we go. And uh, I'm pretty sure we have some fodder for next time. We're going to, we're going to chat through this <laughs> stuff too. <laughs> Sounds good to me, man.
Thank you for joining us today at Elemental Collision. Hopefully this podcast was useful to you, or at least remotely interesting. As always, you can support us at patreon.com slash elementalcollision, and we release every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, usually without fail. Thanks so much for paying attention today. We look forward to having you in the future.